Well, I have to say that um, the last several weeks I was not intending to do kind of a, a mini-series on healing, but it seems like since um, Easter Sunday, since resurrection, a lot of our stories have revolved around uh, looking at healing and ways that we are called to participate in that, to, to open our eyes to God's power and to uh, be become uh, partners in that healing process. This seems to be a theme that keeps recurring in the stories that we have. And so uh, I did this last week, but in case you missed it, previously on Sermons with Adam, we had um, Peter and John last week encounter a man at the temple who was born lame. And we find out at the end of this story that the man is over 40 years old. The man is brought there daily to, to beg for charity and, and look for, for handouts. But Peter and John were also frequent attenders of the temple. We're, we're told early in Acts that they were consistently, maybe daily, in the temple praying and, and praising God. And so their paths had probably crossed at some point. But on this occasion, on this particular day... Peter and John uh, decide to intercede in the man's life, not just for a handout, not just for a little bit of charity, but directed at healing in the man's life, healing the, some of the, the core issues that were happening in this man's life. They look intently at the man and, and when he they ask him to turn and look at them and they see one another as real human beings. Not charity cases, not, not problems to be solved, but they really look at one another and see one another. We are called to be those who walk with our own limps and our own spiritual baggage. We are called to see and discern when we find others on the journey who are also lame and impoverished and uh, seek healing together. So for Peter and John, um, you know, the old saying goes, no good deed goes unpunished. And this continuation of the story is proving that to be true. This is the, the continuation of that story. It, it would appear that you can't go into the temple, heal a lame man, proclaim the name of Jesus, and get away with it. And so we are going to take a look at that story as we look at this story uh, fully together. Would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing to you. Would you continue to open our eyes to the healing that you are doing in our own life and the way that you are calling your church to be present with and participating in the healing of our world, in the lives of individuals, in the systems around us, in um, the broader uh, community we are a people longing to be healed, needing to be healed. Open our eyes to the ways we might see that in our lives today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
As Peter and John are in the temple and they're, they're healing, you know, Peter reaches out his hand and, and pulls up this lame man who has been uh, lame, for, like I said, for more than 40 years. Uh, people take notice to those kinds of things. I mean, for, for who knows how long this man has been brought to the temple every day. He's become kind of a, a fixture at the temple. And so suddenly this man, who many of the worshipers had recognized, had passed at some point in their uh, activities around the temple, suddenly this man is, he's not just walking around. Uh, we're, we're told in the text that he's, he's leaping, he's worshiping. You know, I imagine that he's dancing around. He, he's making use of those legs that he hasn't been able to use for more than 40 years. And people take notice. The crowds see. We're told that the, the uh, temple captain, who's probably like the, the chief of temple security, he sees and, and he understands that this is potentially a volatile situation because, you know, he doesn't often have people that have been lame for 40 years suddenly up walking around. And as the crowds see and there starts to be this commotion, obviously the, the head of security wants to find out what's going on. The other group of people that we're told sees this event happen is the Sadducees, and they get pretty ticked off. Now, there's a couple of issues. There's a couple of reasons why the Sadducees in particular are being called out and why they specifically have an issue with what Peter and John are about. We're told here about the theological issue. The Sadducees were a group of people who didn't believe in a, in a final bodily resurrection. That was different than the Pharisees and some of the other groups of people, groups of, of Jewish people that did believe in a final resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe in that. And so they're struggling to figure out why there's an empty tomb with no body in there from Jesus because they're pretty sure they killed him and they, they can't figure out why that is empty. And now they're seeing kind of a, a, an offshoot of that or an aftermath of that healing. They're seeing a lame man whose legs are being restored, being resurrected, and they're trying to figure that out. And so it doesn't mesh with their theological view of God and, and of the world. There's another thing that's happening here, though, as well. And the, the ancient uh, Jewish historian Josephus helps us understand that the Sadducees were not just a theological group that didn't believe in the resurrection. They were also very much a political group. They had ties into uh, the elite Jewish people uh, of uh, Jerusalem and of Israel, and so they were known to have a lot of wealth. They were also known to have a lot of access to power. There were connections between the Sadducees and, and Herod Antipas. There were connections between the Sadducees and the high priest in, in the temple. And so they had political and religious power and influence. And Jesus has threatened all of that. And, and Peter and John coming into their temple and, and proclaiming Jesus as Lord... And, and seeing this man healed is a potential threatening to the Sadducees in numerous ways. It's a, a threat to their theological views. It's a threat to their um, political and, and their, their, uh, uh, their power ties. And so the Sadducees have Peter and John arrested along with this formerly lame beggar. 
If you, you kind of read in between the text, he doesn't leave the scene. We're not told his name, but he's there throughout this entire story. He's there with Peter and John. And so the Sadducees have Peter and John arrested, and they engage in a number of coercive moves, just uh, arresting them, holding them over the, overnight. When they bring them into the council to question them, uh, they surround them as they're questioning them. Uh, later, at the end of the story, they're going to attempt to threaten them in order to keep them silent. The Sadducees are trying to um, impose their will to coerce uh, the actions of Peter and John. They want to know under whose power and authority Peter and John are now acting. And so Peter responds to their power and says, This man has been healed. He is walking around. He has been rescued by the name of Jesus. Letting them know whose authority that they have healed under. This is really that question of authority. The Sadducees are connected to authority as they understand it, and they are certain that they did not authorize the healing of this man. They know that. We didn't sign off on this, and so why are you healing this man? It, it, it's kind of crazy that they wouldn't be celebrating the, the, this lame man, 40 years, is now walking around, and they want to know who signed off on it because it threatens their power. We're told then in verse 8 that Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and he responds, rulers of the people and elders. In other words, you who are claiming authority, you who are trying to impose your will, not just on me and John and, and my friend here, but trying to impose their will on the Jewish people. He says, if you want to know about this good deed, you want to know about this person in need of healing that was healed, this man right here continuing to stand with us, he was healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Maybe you remember him. He's that guy that you tried to put to, put to death, or you did, and then tried to bury and hope that he would go away, and he hasn't. Do you remember him? And then they... Uh, Peter quotes from Psalm 118 when he says, uh, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected. And then I love Peter adds this by you. He wants to make it clear. You are the people that have rejected this stone. You are the people that tried to silence the Messiah. You are the one that has tried to get rid of him in order to maintain your own power, to maintain your status quo. You rejected him, and he has become the cornerstone, or literally, he has become the head. He's not this forgotten uh, stone that you've tried to throw away and forget about. He has become central. He has become the head, the cornerstone, or, or the, the keystone in an arch. That's what that means. Peter wants to make sure that they understand that they have rejected that stone. And then we have this beautiful verse out of Acts 4, verse 12, 
where Peter says, there is no, uh, we translate the word in, in, in the way uh, it was read this morning, salvation. There's no soteria is the, the Greek word. It means deliverance or preservation, saving and salvation. There is no deliverance or healing uh, in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven give, uh, given among mortals by which we must be And the Greek word here is sozo. It means healed, kept safe, delivered, or as it was translated in our passage this morning, saved. And in the context, in the the immediate context, the immediate story that's happening here, it is directly referencing back to this healed, lame beggar. There is no healing, or there is healing in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be healed. There has been deliverance. He has been healed in the name of Jesus. Let's look for a moment. How is this man being healed? Well, first of all, he's, he's walking, he's, he's leaping, he's praising God with his legs. And so there is, there is a physical healing here. And now, this man is standing on trial with Peter and John being questioned about the teachings of Jesus. This man is being healed and saved in a physical way, and now he is being healed and saved in, in a spiritual way, in a mental way, in a very holistic way. This man is broken in different ways. And through the power of Jesus, he is being healed, saved, restored in a number of ways. I think we often limit our understanding of God's healing uh, or saving or salvation. Sometimes when we talk about um, this word evangelism, we, we... sometimes focus on a message that is about where we go when we die, and that's, that's a part of uh, salvation, that's a part of the healing, but sometimes we fail to address the physical, real-world issues. James, uh, the brother of Jesus, in, in his letter, writes this, uh, chapter 2, verse 14 to 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily need, what good, uh, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Peter and John know that. And so they've, they've worked at healing the man's body and they're continuing to be with him and stand by him as his mind and soul are also being healed and restored in the name of Jesus. Genuine faithfulness means addressing real world needs. The saving or healing of the world is not just a focus on the afterlife. It's not just about where we go when we die. That is a part of God's grand uh, idea of salvation and, and healing. It's part of it. 
The saving or healing of the world also involves the healing or saving of uh, creation. It involves the liberation of people who are oppressed and oppressed in many different ways. Sometimes I'm afraid that my evangelical friends want to focus on getting people saved. And if by that they mean saved in the biblical sense, meaning healed, I'm all for seeing people being healed holistically in the name of Jesus. On the flip side of that, some of my social justice or uh, works friends seem to want to save the world through their own efforts. And I'm reminded in this passage that salvation and healing is found in no one else. Peter and John want the lame beggar to find healing. First he's walking, and now he's standing on trial with them for the name of Jesus. He hasn't run away. He has the capability now. He could take his legs and and go. But this has so radically shaped his life that now he's willing to go through being um, threatened by the Sadducees, standing there with Peter and John. I wish we knew more about his story, where he goes, what happens from there. Because it seems to have such an impact on who he is and the trajectory of his life. He's finding healing in a very holistic way. And Peter and John are extending then an offering of healing to the crowds, to the elite, and to the rulers. So I wonder, what does salvation look like? What does it look like on a practical level? Well, for the lame beggar, it ends up looking like, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk, and then stand beside us as we follow Jesus, who can heal more than just your legs. To someone in poverty, salvation might look like partnering with them to provide training and education so they can work in a job and inviting them to know Jesus, who can rescue them from more than just Physical poverty can save them from all sorts of poverty. To the Sadducees, maybe salvation would look like bowing their knees to Jesus the Christ, the true Lord, and to be born anew. To give up their need to be in power, to give up their their need to coerce others, and recognize Jesus is Lord and to find this new life, which they don't even believe in. So they're going to have to give up a lot here on both ends. To the rich, salvation might look like it did for Zacchaeus. When, when Jesus goes back to his house and, and, is, and is proclaiming the good news, and uh, salvation, saving, healing comes when Zacchaeus commits to divesting himself of ill-gotten gain, of giving back, of handing out his wealth. So maybe salvation looks like learning to get rid of our attachment to wealth and, and to find the one pearl of great price. 
See, I think salvation is bigger than we can even imagine. And that healing of our world comes in different ways. But ultimately, I believe that real healing, holistic healing, healing of our, our minds and our bodies, of our spirits, of our souls, comes in Jesus. We're all in need of healing in, in lots of different ways. Healing of, of our minds, healing of our, uh, in our relationship with other image bearers, other uh, humans, we're in need of that healing. We're in need, some of us, healing in our bodies. Healing in our role as stewards of God's creation. Healing in our affinity for power and human politics. And healing in our relationship with God. That is broken. Because we've broken it. That is broken because time and again we have relived the story at the very beginning of Scripture of Adam and Eve who decide to do things on their own, who decide to do right, uh, figure out right and wrong for themselves rather than uh, cooperating with God's plan. All of us have lived in that pattern. And so Jesus comes to bring healing in our relationship with God. Healing Deliverance, rescuing, salvation is in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be healed, delivered, rescued, saved, whatever other word you want to put in there, than the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is the one who brings healing. Healing in, in many different ways. A holistic healing that cares about body, mind, soul, all of that. All of who we are being healed in the name of Jesus. May it be so. I just want to extend uh, an invitation. I do want to extend an invitation to you. If you need healing, healing um, in the name of Jesus, healing for uh, the brokenness in your own life, it is found in no one else but Jesus. And so I'd love to, to pray with you. Um, I'll, I'll be outside and, and would uh, love to pray with you uh, after the, the service. Um, for you to, to know more about who Jesus is, if you're unfamiliar with who he is, if you're unfamiliar with this power and, and, and the beliefs that we've been proclaiming and, and uh, speaking and singing about today, I'd love to share more with you about who this Jesus is that wants to heal, to rescue, to redeem, to restore each of us. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. Go in peace.